I was sexually abused. I was raped. I started using drugs at the age of 15. I was molested as a child. I was an alcoholic. I tried meth for the first time at 12. I was a compulsive alcoholic. Um, I lost my kidney smoking crack. Hello everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to Her Addiction. My name is Pastor Pam George and I am here to share some good news with you today. I'm going to be sharing on a series of things for the next couple of weeks, um, just a few things that I feel like that are attached to addiction, um, depression and addiction, trauma and addiction, abuse and addiction. So today I'm going to talk about trauma and addiction and how sometimes the trauma that we experience in our lives relate to um, the addiction in our lives. Um, I'm actually going to give you uh, a definition to each one, a definition for trauma, a definition for addiction, and then I'm going to read a short article about each one. And then finally, I'm going to share what the Word of God has to say about each one, because ultimately, that's what really matters. So again, welcome. Thank you for listening in today. And I'm talking about trauma and addiction today. So the definition to trauma is a deep, distressing, and disturbing experience. Physical, And the second definition to it is a physical injury. And also sometimes there's an emotional injury. The definition to addiction is the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. So here's a few things that the Bible has to say about trauma. And I got this article from a actually a faith-based rehab. And it says that God is present and in control of our suffering. Firstly, God is present and he is in control. In times of great suffering and pain, we often feel the farthest from God. Where is he? Has he forgotten me? How could he let this happen? This was also the case in the lives of great men of faith in the Bible. Now, I'm going to read off some scriptures, and I'm going to read some of them are just going to be scripture references. I really hope that you can get uh, pen and paper and write these scriptures down so that you can go back and read them later on and speak them over yourself and even relate to them and see how God really relates to people that have gone through suffering and pain or going through suffering and pain because basically that's what trauma is if you experience some kind of suffering or pain and so it says um how could we let the, you say that that god said sometimes you say how is god let this happen where is god has he forgotten me what this was one of the also the case in the lives of the great men of faith in the bible Okay, David in Psalms 13.1, Jeremiah in Lamentations 3.8, and Job in Job 9.16. Now, I'm going to read them again. You go back and read these. What did David go through in Psalms 13.1, Jeremiah in Lamentations 3.8, and Job in Job 9.16? Even Jesus, at the height of his pain, cries out, My God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 24:46 From our limited human perspective pain and suffering seems contrary to our idea of a sovereign God who is good and loving we think that God blinked and wasn't even able to stop this traumatic event 
or he isn't really a loving God. We forget that Adam chose to sin and that we live in a fallen world full of suffering. Suffering should not cause us to question God's sovereignty, as Job so clearly understood in Job 2.10. God is sovereign, despite of our circumstances. He created all things, and he is in control of all things. The second thing about trauma, it says that God is good and he cares for us. We all have heard this statement. How could a loving God allow blank? Fill in the blank with any horrific traumatic event that occurs here on the planet or that occurred in your life. People often use this statement to argue against not only the love of God, but also the very existence of God. God does love us. And that is evident in our redemptive story. The creator of the world made a way for disobedient, powerless creatures like me and you to come into an eternal relationship with him. He is patient and he is gracious. And guess what? He became one of us. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for him. The third point in this, it says that Jesus understands what it is to suffer. Listen, we do not worship a distant, unapproachable God. We worship a God who is loving and kind, and he is near us. We worship a God that knows what it is to be human and he knows what it means to suffer. In Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 2.17 and 18, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For before he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And the last scripture I have is 1 Peter 5, 7. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Remember that word distress and disturbing experience? First Peter 5, 7 says, take all of those things, put them on him, and leave them there. Because guess what? He always tenderly cares for you. He's tenderly caring for you right now as I read these scriptures. He's singing over you with his word and loving you through his word and letting you know he cares about everything that you've gone through and what you're going through right now. You might have experienced a recent trauma. He loves you. He cares about you. He says, bring that to me and leave it with me because I care for you always. Now, addiction. I'm going to read an article about addiction, addiction and read some scriptures about that. Drug abuse has been written about in many languages and many people over the centuries, by many people over the centuries. Many of these works are very useful in treatment for addiction, but few have the same impact as the Bible. What does the Bible actually say about addiction or substance abuse? If you read through it, looking for that word, you may be disappointed. 
That's because the terms addict and addiction weren't used during the Bible time. However, just because addiction isn't directly mentioned in many versions of the Bible doesn't mean that we, they were saying drug rehabs in this article, but we, even we personally, it doesn't mean that we can't use scripture to help addicts and to help people that are addicted. Quite the opposite. If you know where to look, you will find that the Bible actually says a lot about substance abuse. And I'm going to read a few scriptures that talks about substance abuse. But first, I want to share this scripture with you before I get to the ones that were in this article. Because I remember this scripture because I had to use this scripture years ago for my son. And again, just because the Bible, that you can't find the word addict in the Bible doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't care about addicts and doesn't care about addiction. He does. And so here's the scripture that I found that I needed years ago. Um, my son was diagnosed ADD. He was five years old. And I refused to give him medication at that time. I was like, Lord, I, I need, what does your word say? Tell me what the word of God says about ADD. And I'm not kidding you. This is the scripture the Lord brought me to. Second Peter 3, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1, verses 3 to 10. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you, you and me, promises, magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Addiction is a corrupt desire from the world. So devote yourselves. This is verse 5. So devote yourselves lavishly, supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. And to understanding, add the strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patient endurance. And to patient endurance, add godliness. It's amazing how the first three letters of addict and addiction spells add. And God wants to add to you. He wants to add to you goodness. He wants to add to that goodness understanding. He wants to add to that goodness the strength of self-control. And he wants to add to that self-control patient endurance. And he says to patient endurance add godliness. And to godliness add mercy towards your brothers and sisters. And to mercy and to mercy toward others add unending love it ends in love god is saying i've already given you what you need i've given you the faith he said and i want you to lavish lavishly supplement your faith with goodness understanding self-control patient endurance godliness and love he said it's already in you now listen to this this is the rest of this this is verse eight since these virtues all are already planted within you and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus more intimately. 
But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence. For his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved ones, there goes that word again, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. So it says that it is in us. It's already been deeply planted. The things that we need after we've experienced this suffering, instead of running to other things, we need to run to God because he's given us everything we need to be able to not stumble, to be able to not be fruitless, to have a fruitful life, to have a stable life, to have a life that you where you can turn to him and not turn to those things that cause you to become addicted to them instead of addicted to God. Those things that turn you away from God instead of help, causing you to run to God. He's given us everything we need. And I want to read this scripture again that I read earlier in 1 Peter 5, 7 from the Passion Translation. It says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. And, and in the scripture, in, in First Peter, in Second Peter 1, it called us beloved one. You are his beloved. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he has given you everything you need to live this life free from addiction. You don't have to turn to whatever the vices are that you've been turning to. You don't have to turn to those anywhere. Turn your face back to God. Take these scriptures. Read them. Get them inside of you and know that you are his beloved. And you know what? He knows your suffering. He knows what you're going through. He suffered. He came to this earth, became a human, and suffered so that he can identify with your suffering. And again, maybe your your trauma came as a child. And every time you think about that trauma, you want to go and take something in its place because you don't want to feel that pain again. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. You can turn to the Lord and he says, bring those to me and leave them there because I want to tenderly care for you. And if you don't know the Lord today, I just want to pray a prayer with you to ask him to come. Because when you're born again and Jesus lives on the inside of you, the word of God is planted in you and it becomes fruitful and not fruitless. He understands what you've been through and he doesn't want you to turn to those things. He wants you to turn to him. So, Lord, I just thank you right now. I just pray for every person that is listening today. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would draw them to you right now, Lord, that they would be drawn by the by the words that have been spoken today, by your word, that your word is true, and that your word does not lie. Lord God, that you tenderly care for us, Lord God, that you understand our distress, you understand emotional injuries, you understand physical pain, emotional pain, you understand it all, Lord. You suffered, and you went through it so that you can understand what we go through, Lord, and you you're not a man that you should lie, Lord, the son of man that you should repent. You know exactly what we're going through. And I thank you, Lord God, that every person that's listening today, that they will begin to turn to you, Lord, and not turn to those other things or people. 
they won't turn to people they won't turn to things but they'll turn to you and allow you to to tenderly care for them and i just want to pray this prayer with you just say this with me lord come into my life come and save me come and make me new lord lord i repent of my sins i repent of turning to other things instead of turning to you today i make a complete turn back to you lord lord i accept you as my lord and my savior come live inside of me and make me whole and lord fill me with your holy spirit and with power in jesus name amen thank you again for listening and god bless i am redeemed i've been set free and he who the sun sets free is free indeed now i have hope in the future I'm a child of God. I'm loved. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am more than a conqueror by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. 